Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to save you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, put days like today in perspective. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. And I, I really wish the week hadn't played out this way. Dow plummeting 603 points, S&P plunging 1.77%, NASDAQ nosediving 1.59%. And we wanted to focus on earnings, which have generally been pretty darn good. We hoped to take the temperature of the moment. We didn't realize the only temperature this market cares about is one that's well north of 98.6 degrees. Because right now, Wall Street only has eyes for the coronavirus. Unfortunately, we have no idea about the real state of this outbreak. The situation's too volatile, too dynamic. When investors can't figure out something like this, they head for the hills. That's exactly what happened today. I expect more selling on Monday when we get the new epidemic figures. So why don't we just kick off this week's game plan with the one thing I am certain of that the number of coronavirus victims will climb this very weekend. The only question is whether the pace of the infections accelerating or decelerating. And despite efforts to control it around the globe, I think it's very much accelerating. I think we need to steal ourselves for a dramatic uptick in infections. And the Centers for Disease Control said we're facing an unprecedented public health threat, a set of fluid circumstances that makes investing in stocks feel pretty perilous right now. Now, we don't know when the authorities will get this thing under control. I'm not an immunologist or an epidemiologist. And you probably aren't either. Still, I'm expecting this panic to take down the stocks of companies that are genuinely, uh, that are, are genuinely immune to the disease And that's what you want to be looking for if you want opportunity. But you can't have opportunity unless they have some cash. And if you haven't raised any cash, well, maybe it's still not too late. We've been raising cash, as I've been telling you, all week for my charitable trust, which you can follow by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. You know, I've been negative. It's painful to be negative. It's right. We got a company reporting Monday that may be the true litmus test of this actual moment. Alphabet. Remember, that's the actual rubric for Google. Let's see. Alphabet's got... uh, the minor Chinese exposure. They don't need to worry about supply chain disruptions. Uh, that's something that we're very worried about for a lot of hard goods companies. And you can use their services at home, which is exactly what should keep working during this kind of outbreak. Alphabet's flirting with a trillion dollar market capitalization. If the results are good, it might actually be worth buying 
on Tuesday, but only if we send some stability or even, let's say, a decline in the fear factor. And that may be too much of a wild card to embrace. The term wild card you will hear multiple times in the show because that's what I'm feeling. Monday night, uh, we'll, t- we'll see you, uh, who won Iowa those caucuses. Be careful here, because I think we're dealing with a double-edged sword. If Bernie Sanders wins, the market could get hit, because Bernie's the anti-wealth candidate, and the stock market is wealth. However, I also suspect some investors will conclude that a Bernie candidacy will be easy pickings for President Trump, and they may actually bid up drug stocks and health insurers, which are the most visible point of contention, because they'll make a lot less money under single payer. That said, I'm increasingly feeling like trying to gain an election right now is a sucker's bet. Too many wild cards. On Tuesday, we have two reports that could be polar opposites. We've got Clorox, which has continually missed its quarter, but come down, not participated, got a good yield. And we have Royal Caribbean. Clorox makes a product that kills everything. It's called bleach. Their wipes are among the best weapons against the coronavirus. Royal Caribbean, on the other hand, is the essence of travel. A cruise ship is the last place that many people want to be on during a major epidemic because if anyone gets sick, the whole ship could be quarantined. Like that carnival cruise off the coast of Italy where 6,000 people were detained. Turns out there was no virus. But the fright remains. Now, what about the industrials? How are they going to be impacted? We need a classic industrial to find out we happen to have one. I'm talking about the straight-shooting Emerson Electric. Money managers flocked to the stock after we signed that phase one trade deal with China because Emerson's got such extensive ties with the PRC. Now that China's exposure is a big problem, not an opportunity, how's demand? We're hearing a lot of negative stories about demand in China, obviously. How's the workforce in China? How's the supply chain? How's the global economy holding up? We're going to find out. After the close, one of my favorites since the show started reports, and it's Disney. And here's a classic case of sentiment change. Until the outbreak, we cared about one thing, the number of signups for Disney+. Plus. Now we care about how much lost theme park days there'll be. They've got one in China. And by the way, and how many customers will have, uh, let's say, a stay at other Stay at home rather than go to the other parks around the world. Remember, the illness can be transferred by surface contact. So park attendance numbers could be pressured until we find out more about the illness. Wednesday, we hear from her. This will be a solid test of my thesis that the drug stocks can keep climbing here. I expect a strong quarter from Merck and more good news about its breakthrough cancer treatment, Keytruda. Like to see a big buyback. We get results from General Motors, too. And we want to know how their cars are holding up in China. Well, I got to tell you, I think the sales... Uh, for that bellwether market are going to be very, very weak. Uh, There's a lot of value guys in that stock. I think it's going to be a value trap. Now, after the close, we need to hear the worst-case scenario for the Chinese economy. So why not dial up Yum China? The managers at the epicenter will most likely be grilled and grilled and grilled hard about whether anyone's going out at all. Hey, speaking of going out versus staying in, Grubhub reports. And we recently spent some quality time with the CEO. I hope you saw that interview where I got to examine their new technology to speed up takeout. How's delivery? Will people be more inspired to order in now that they're worried about this outbreak? Or is it too soon to be worrying about that? I don't know. CEO felt pretty confident, but the company's not for sale. He made that multiple times. That point Thursday, we get results from another one of my favorites, and that's Mr. Myers. Expect to hear a lot more about the Celgene acquisition and, how, and maybe apple some low-hanging fruit that Celgene uh, might be harvesting now that it's run by Bristol Myers. I believe CEO Giovanni Cafario will be asked about the coronavirus. Uh, I bet she says she can't game it. Let's see what he has to say. 
If you want to know how China's really holding up, you need to listen to a CEO that spends more time there than about than just about any other CEO I know. And here I'm talking about Fabrizio Freda, the genius behind Estee Lauder. He's the CEO. Not long ago, we were worried that it might have too much exposure to Hong Kong uh, because of the pro- protests, the riots, and the traveling masses who go to the airport may not spend. Uh, now, that's something a lot harder to do when protesters are fighting with police all over the city. But it turned out not to be a problem for Estee Lauder. Their China business was great. But given the coronavirus, I don't think it can stay great, or at least the, the future, the forecast may be cut. So how weak is Estee Lauder when they're selling tons of cosmetics into a do-not-touch market? I think this may be the most important stock and uh, company to listen to because the CEO is so thoughtful. Finally, on Friday, we start the day with something that now seems almost quaint, but used to be very important. And that's the Labor Department's non-farm payroll report. If it weren't for the virus, we'd be laser-focused on these numbers. We'd be looking for where uh, Boeing 737 MAX issues might be hurting employment, or Amazon's unbelievable quarter came at the expense of hard-good retailers, or, of course, whether raises went up too much and the Fed can't be as accommodative. Instead, the Federal Reserve just told us it's monitoring the economy for weakness from the coronavirus. So at least the government's got our back if things turn bad at least financially. I know they're trying to do it with health care. One more. If we get through the week with endless down days and we're dramatically oversold, and I'm going to give you that figure about whether we are, then I've got one for you. It's AbbVie. OK, AbbVie, I think, is remember, they're buying uh, Allergan. It's a big position for my travel trust. I know we're going to be telling ActionWorksPlus.com members that this is where they should be. This is where they should pull the trigger. AbbVie's gobbling up Allergan at a very good price. We just got approved the only, I say we because I'm taking it, acute migraine pill currently available because I'm the spokesperson for the American Migraine uh, Foundation. And I, whoa. These are, the, these are migraine days. I think it can withstand even a ferocious amount of selling. Look, we're, we were due for a sell-off anyway. I was worried about an exogenous event hitting us hard. I told you that over and over again. And this outbreak is as exogenous as it comes. But it's hard to model how much damage it should really be doing to the stock market. Let me give the bottom line on this sobering day and afternoon. This is the kind of weekend where the big game takes a back seat to something you never heard of three weeks ago. The Wuhan coronavirus. Unfortunately, that's what we need to focus on until the authorities get things under control or the disease peaks. And right now, the situation is almost too fluid to project. Mike in Illinois, please, Mike. Jimmy Chill. Yo. This is Mike, this is Mike from Chicago. Thanks for everything you do. I'm a millennial investor. Okay. And my ticker is Beyond Meat. I got in shortly after the IPO around $80, $80 cost basis. And I missed my opportunity to sell over the summer because I was a greedy plant-based pig. Now that it had a great January, I'm wondering, is it a buy, a sell, or a hold? I think because the market's so bad, I think you just got to hold off. But this is a good stock to think about because it's an ecosystem, and Ethan Brown is the CEO. He's worked 10 years to get this thing done. I know that there was a test that didn't go well with one single uh, purveyor, but he's got so many tricks up his sleeve, and frankly, Boy, is that business here to stay. It was a brutal day, a brutal week. The coronavirus situation is just too volatile, too dynamic, too fluid to really gain more on that later or mad tonight. After a huge decline for the average today, one thing's for certain, the stock market doesn't know anything about the coronavirus. I'll tell you why and help you figure out your next move. Plus, a new member just got added to the Trillion Dollar Club in spite of today's drop, at least for a few minutes. I'll tell you what Amazon's move means for the overall market. 
But first, after tonight's show, I'm headed to the airport, hopping on a plane, big game. But before I do, I'm wrapping up my week-long series and comparing the final set of players from Sunday's matchup to some of our favorite stocks. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to Indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We've made it to the end of the week, although not necessarily unscathed. After the show, I'm headed to the airport and hopping on a plane to the big game. Because I'm a big believer in making the stock market accessible, though, I spent the whole week trying to explain stock picking to you in terms of football. I, I, need, the, I need these analogies to make it come alive. Now, we did quarterbacks, we did running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. Remember, one of ours got ahead of the Tesla quarter. So tonight we're going to wrap things up with some less glamorous units that can still score some points, defense and special teams. These guys are often the unsung heroes of a football team. Your defense is there to limit the damage when the other side is the ball. So uh, what's the stock market equivalent? Oh, we can't overthink this one, guys. Just as a football team needs a defense, so does your portfolio. Defensive stocks are the ones you turn to when things get choppy, like today. Choppy being a euphemism for real bad. And you just want something safe. 
Special teams, on the other hand, they get involved when the game's in flux. These players are on the field when there's a planned change in control of the ball, like a punt or a kickoff, or when you're going for a field goal or an extra point. You've got specialists like kickers, punters, and long snappers, guys who are in the NFL for one very specific skill. For me, special teams are like special situation investments in the stock market. Stocks that are benefiting from activist plays, breakups, restructurings, or other unusual events that can generate powerful returns, even when the market turns against you, okay? So let's start with San Francisco's defense, which is probably the best of all these that I'm talking about. While the Kansas City Chiefs will have an advantage on offense, no doubt, the 49ers have one of the best defenses in the league, one of the best defenses I can recall. They finished the regular season second in total yards allowed in, in per game, fifth in total sacks, although they're a sack machine, seventh in total points allowed per game, and their defense only got better as the year went on. When the 49ers went up against the Vikings and the Packers in the playoffs, holy cow, their defense dominated. It was really eye-opening. Now, in 2018, San Francisco's defense was nothing special. But last year, they drafted Nick Bosa. He's a ferocious pass rusher from Ohio State. He has made a huge difference. So what's the stock market equivalent here? On a day where the average is plummeted, you know what was uh, actually up? The San Francisco-based Clorox. When the market was roaring higher late last year, Clorox stock got left by the wayside. As a matter of fact, they missed the quarter, okay? Uh, missed several quarters. And it didn't help that the company made some uh, uh, door forecasts for 2020. But over the past few months, the stock has made a phenomenal comeback. Now, some of that's because the uh, well, the CEOs made some good said that things could be good, but most of it is really because of, well, let's just say, Clark's is the kind of safe, consistent consumer packaged good stock that works during an epidemic. Also, just like the 49ers defense led by the by the great Robert Sawyer. Uh, Clorox has good leadership in the form of its bankable CEO, Ben O'Doors. Again, though, he did miss the last couple of quarters. The company reports on Tuesday. We're going to find out more about how defensive it really is. My charitable trust has been buying it, but it has a lot more to do with the epidemic, frankly. Of course, neither Clorox nor the 49ers defense are perfect. San Francisco's Achilles heel is pass defense. Richard Sherman is their best pass defender. And while he's having a career renaissance this year, he's also on the wrong side of 30. For Clorox, the problem is a generic competition. But in a tumultuous market, this is exactly the kind of stock you do want to own. How about Kansas City? While San Francisco has an elite defense, Kansas City's average at best. During the, past, uh, during the postseason, they've looked even worse, frankly. Uh, in, in both their playoff games earlier this month, their opponents quickly jumped to a big lead. Chiefs needed some really late-game heroics from the offense, led by Patrick Mahomes, to eventually win the game. Long story short, Kansas City may have a great uh, offense, but their defense is a heck of a lot worse than San Francisco's. So what's a good uh, analog for the Chiefs defense, a so-so defensive unit with a lot of question marks? You know what? I've come up with one. It's called J.M. Smucker. Yeah, Smucker, which you know is Smucker's, Folger's, Jif, that's peanut butter, milk bone. The problem with Smucker, coffee and peanut butter are their second and third largest categories. And those businesses, well, they've been challenged of late. Plus, they've made some bad missteps in pet food and snacks. Smucker has been a battleground name for years, but it's especially weak of late. Last May, the stock went trading at a 52-week high in the 120s. It's now down to 103 and change. That fits with the suspect Kansas City Chiefs defense. In short, Smucker enters 2020 as a show-me story, just like Kansas City's defenders, who have a lot to prove as they uh, enter Sunday's game. And I don't know if they're up for it. Both could prove to be undervalued, but they need to demonstrate that they can execute. All right, now let's talk about special teams. In all honesty, San Francisco's special teams unit is nothing to write home about. They've got a middling kicker, a middling punter, a middling kick return game, uh, good thing they've got a great defense. So we're looking for a special situation stock that's merely okay. Reminds me of a company that I think 
could develop into a great one, but it's too inconsistent right now. Up square. The San Francisco-based payment technology play that's gone from one of the most exciting stories in fintech to more of an also-ran player. The stock was only up 12% last year, where the rest of the group was incredible. That's a serious lagging from the broader averages, too. But that underperformance is what makes Square a kind of special situation. A few months ago, we did a deep dive into this one and concluded that Square's not a broken company. It's really a broken stock that's experiencing some growing pains after the departure of its previous CFO, Sarah Fryer, whom we like so much. I told you to buy it. Since then, it's rallied 26%. I think Square's got more room to run as the analyst community starts to throw its support back to the stock. Uh, who knows? Maybe we're underestimating the 49ers special teams unit, too. I think that runback game could surprise us. As for Kansas City, they have a much more impressive special teams unit. Harrison Butker is a terrific kicker. He was first in the league in field goals made this year. He's going to come into play this weekend. Uh, you got to be good to make kicks in the notorious winds of Arrowhead Stadium, so it'll be much easier when he's in Miami. Nearly an impressive, nearly impressive is this Meikle Harbin is a return man, third in the league in return yards. They don't have a great punter, but who cares when your offense is so good that you hardly ever have to punt? What's a good special situation that parallels the Chiefs' elite special teams unit? How about Evergy? That's the Kansas City-based utility where a major activist hedge fund, Elliott Management, has recently gotten involved. Ten days ago, Elliott made some suggestions, and they're not what—they're kind of not what you'd expect. They want Evergy to stop doing buybacks. Doesn't everybody want everybody to do buybacks? They want to stop. Invest more money in renewable energy sources like wind. And Elliott's not some bleeding-heart sustainability fund, although I do agree with them on that. These guys are ruthless, brilliant capitalists. They want Evergy embracing renewals because it happens to be a good business. That's what makes this a very special situation. I'm going to devote more time to it next week because, frankly, I think it may be uh, the antidote for a lot of people when it comes to lease their portfolio. Bottom line, for a great defense in this market, you want something more like the 49ers than the Chiefs, meaning stick with Clorox mostly because of its wipes. If the stock gets hit on the quarter, the wipes will still be very good because this epidemic just started, right? As for special teams, I'm liking the Chiefs and their fellow Kansan, Evergy. I think these stocks can work even in this newly ugly market where defense is the watchword. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. It was a disturbing day. And what we're starting to get our arms around is that the idea that the stock market doesn't know anything about how to react to the coronavirus, or at least any more than the government seems to know, which was my conclusion after listening to the very jarring press conference by the feds at the end of the day. Wall Street can't make heads or tails of it. And we're suffering the financial consequences, as you saw with today's horrific action. There are lots of very smart people in this business, but very few of them are infectious disease experts. Look what happened yesterday. The averages have been hammered all day. Then in the afternoon, the World Health Organization held a press conference where they declared a medical emergency, and then stocks came roaring back. Now, I think that the Chinese government has handled this crisis very poorly, first covering it up and then making a series of errors in their attempt to contain it. Yet the World Health Organization spent a lot of time praising them for their thoroughness and professionalism. Now, when I see a photo of a dead body, presumably someone who died of the virus lying in the street, in a particular city in China, it doesn't say thoroughness or professionalism to me. China's been way too opaque during this whole process. Yes, they sequenced the gene, but 
do we really know much? I mean, I wish they'd be more transparent. I bet you do, too. But I guess most money managers aren't following the actual nitty gritty details, because after that who statement, which was quite negative, the market rallied furiously. People were betting, therefore, that the worst was over. The run was so pure and so powerful that I found myself wondering if maybe somebody found a vaccine that can stop this outbreak right now in its tracks. Well, they haven't. It turns out that entire rally yesterday afternoon was totally bogus. After the close yesterday, the U.S. government urged Americans to stop going to China. The death toll continues to rise. We're seeing incidents of coronavirus popping up all over the world. It looks uh, like it's so easy to spread that you can get it from touching a surface that's already been touched by an infected person, even someone who's not showing any symptoms. Wow. And that is the problem with this coronavirus. There's a two-week incubation period, we think, where you can infect other people, we think, but nobody can tell you that you're sick. Yeah, no one can tell you're sick. Not even the authorities are sure, as we learned this very afternoon, contrary to what we heard earlier this week. Not reassuring to me. Certainly not what I would call buying opportunity, at least not yet. Now, put it all together, and you can see why I kept saying we need to wait for more bad news before I can sound the all clear here. Until, sadly, some people die from this disease in the United States, particularly someone with zero connection to China, something that looks increasingly, sadly, more likely, judged by the severity of the new restrictions put on this afternoon, I'm worried that we could face more financial pain. I wanted to sidestep a day like today where the market went back down because it never should have gone up in the first place. Let's at least wait until we are much more oversold before we make aggressive moves, although some stocks, as I'll mention in a second, will start working probably midweek. Now, look, when you've been around long enough like me, you start seeing patterns in this business. For example, this market feels like it's confused, like it can't process the information we're getting. Often this happens when Wall Street's trying to digest non-business news. Remember, the market initially plunged after Trump was elected. Remember that? To be fair, he was a total wild card. But in the retrospect, that was a terrible call to sell. What else could hurt us? Well, the Iowa caucuses are on Monday. If Bernie Sanders wins, and he's polling pretty well, then you need to be prepared for a big decline in the health care stocks, even though those are probably ones that you would otherwise think might be good because of the virus. It's already started to sell up, but can Sanders really win in the general? Well, if he wins, even if he wins, can he really pass single payer over the objections of many leaders in, our own part, in his own party? His own party's against it. I doubt it. Anyone who freaks out about health care next week is reacting to a wild card. Right now, though, the coronavirus is the biggest wild card. You can't trust it until the disease is cured or the worst case is baked into the average. And I don't think we have either right now, even after today's drubbing. Notice, while the United States advised people to avoid going to China, we didn't ban flights from China. I figure that's next. But again, that's another wild card. The outbreak is full. It's a whole deck of darn wild cards, which makes it impossible to predict the totals. Let me give you another example. Yesterday, I donned my Jimmy Chill hat and gave the feedback I got from people who were very close to the government stance on this on my Twitter file. The government's people had told me that they've been, there's been 8,200 preventable deaths from the flu in this country already. So why not do us all a favor and just tell people at least to get a flu shot? When I mentioned the flu situation on Twitter, just to put things in perspective, I was immediately called out for minimizing the threat of the coronavirus, minimizing its lethality and what it might do to global commerce when everyone realizes how infectious it is. So then I took off my Jimmy Show hat for a second and pointed out that we're a country of 325 million people. We have only six cases of coronavirus versus 15 million cases of flu that's caused 140,000 hospitalizations and 8,200 deaths in our country. I never once minimized the peril that the coronavirus is causing or will cause both the public safety and the world's economy. Now, I was immediately mocked by a bunch of people claiming coronavirus will be the next Spanish flu. That's an outbreak that killed, well, tens of millions. What am I supposed to say to that? 
Should I go all Billy and the Predator and say, we're all going to die? Get to the chopper? I don't think that's true. I will leave the infectious projections, the infection projections, to people like Dr. Tony Fauci. Dude, he is our nation's top immunologist, and he was on the press conference today, and he said there are many, many unknowns right now. That said, I am concerned about what it could do to the global economy. That's not an unknown. It's bad. I'm predicting a coronavirus-induced slowdown. When the world's second-largest economy takes such a big hit, and this quarantine in China is a problem, then that means many of our stocks are likely to be too high, including a lot of good ones. But what if China contains the outbreak? What if we have something that can stop it? In that case, everything you sold today, you probably want to buy back Tuesday. So what can you do? I think you should try to react less. Get your list of what can be bought regardless of a worldwide slowdown. Be clinical. Watch a Mondelez or a Coca-Cola. We just got new information about how well they're doing. If we find out the cases doubled again or the deaths shot up, I don't mean to be too morbid, but those two stocks can be bought. Colgate this morning reported a miraculous quarter. Coke and Mondelez were just yesterday. Toothpaste, snacks, soft drinks. They're all good to go, no matter what. Hey, maybe you'll get a chance to buy the stock of Amazon at a lower price than it deserves after its remarkable set of numbers. Because remember, that's the stay-at-home shopper. And you may have to stay at home. Bottom line. You need to be prepared. And remember my wild card thesis? We don't know what's going to happen with this virus, and I'm not here to scare you about it. Uh, Look at it like this. There's no bottom until we, one, get much more oversold, and two, get more information about incubation, more information about transmission, about surface virility, about medicine to take if you get it. Hey, you see, it is a deck of wild cards. Why don't we get some real cards on the table, and then we can make better decisions? Gregory in California, please, Gregory. Oh, Jim, good day to you, kind sir, as I lie here in the beautiful sunshine of 80 degrees uh, Los Angeles weather. I, I, I am, I'm here focused on a stock called Canada Goose, because I'm thinking about wrapping myself up in something really warm. No, I'm not. But I am, I am looking at that stock, which is sitting on 52-week lows, and I can't figure out why, unless, of course, it's what's going on in China with the... Uh, coronavirus. Well, and I'm just thinking, is yeah. this a good time to get in? No, you know, Gregory, that is some uh, some of it, but it, the winter wasn't warm, wasn't cold enough here. They just didn't get the the kind of business that you would expect uh, if we had a regular warm, wi- uh, regular cold winter like we were supposed to should have had for the least the last month. And by the way, I I don't say I misspoke, but there's been a seventh CDC, a seventh CDC issuance of people personalized coronavirus. Remember, I'm not here to scare anybody, but I don't want you to react with either panic, like I saw today, or glee, like I saw yesterday. When it comes to the decline triggered by the coronavirus, be clinical, unemotional in your approach, even though I know it's very hard. Much more mad money ahead. Amazon is the newest member of the Trillion Dollar Club. What it, what it means for the company and this market going forward. Then one of my New Year's resolutions this year is to do a better job of getting my homework done. Completing the assignment in a timely manner. So tonight I'm turning in a new name for you, and it's pretty exciting, even in this tape. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer.
For a while today, before the afternoon's decline, we had a new member of the Trillion Dollar Club, Amazon. After reporting a tremendous quarter, the stock surged higher, getting more than 7% during a very ugly session. At one point, it was nearly up uh, 10%. i got to tell you, if the, obviously it's an asterisk, but if it had been a good session, I think this thing could have been up, I don't know, 12%, maybe 15 It was that good. Amazon Prime signups were staggering. They now have 150 million members. Their advertising business, which didn't even exist a few years ago, is now making billions of dollars. Best of all, Amazon Web Services, the cloud infrastructure division, it blew the doors off the estimates when lots of very smart bears were betting on a shortfall. A couple of weeks ago, we spent some time with Sadia Nadella. He's the CEO of Microsoft. And their, their computing cloud business, Azure, is a true growth engine. It's expanding at it. It's better than 60% clip. Azure has helped Microsoft stay ensconced in the trillion-plus club, uh, along with Apple, which also delivered a stellar quarter earlier this week. Alphabet's the third big player in the cloud infrastructure space. It was another proud member of the Trillion Dollar Club until it got knocked out by this uh, coronavirus sell-off. But Alphabet reports next week. And barring exogenous events, uh, which these days is a lot to bar, a good quarter will cement its membership. Even though Amazon is facing real competition from Microsoft and Alphabet, their web services division is stupendous. Sales grew from $25 billion to $35 billion year over year. Almost nobody saw that coming. And that's just one of the many upside surprises in this incredible quarter. Amazon's a treasure. You should read their letter to shareholders. You see all the things they're up to. You'd be proud. However, as I was pondering the Trillion Dollar Club, the market leaders for what seem like ages uh, are getting devastated. Yeah, that's right. I was watching Exxon, and Exxon reported still one more terrible quarter, driving stock uh, down to levels where we haven't seen in nine years. Now, Exxon's been considered a show-me stock of late, but it's also been considered a slow and steady oil stock, safe, conservative. You bought it for the safe dividend yield. Yet now the yield's north of 5%, and there were very few takers, hence today's 4% decline after it reported. Why do I bring this up? All right, listen to this. This is incredible. Exxon's now worth $263 billion. Just three years ago, it was the largest publicly traded company on Earth. That wasn't a fluke. Largest. Exxon had been one of the largest companies around for ages, for more than a decade. Now it's tempting to say this is simply what happens when the price of oil plummets, but oil hasn't plummeted. It's been stuck bouncing between 50 and 60 for a while now. There's tremendous technology that allows them to get more oil from each rig. Exxon's exposure to lucrative permian basin has never been better. Finally, have enough pipeline capacity to ship that oil to the Gulf of Mexico. So let me put it this way. Four years ago, the price of crude slipped below $30 a barrel. Back then, Exxon was trading in the mid-70s. Now it's at 62, even though oil's much higher. How do we explain it? Why is Exxon's stock so low? As I've been saying for a while now, I think it's because Exxon's in the fossil fuel business. And fossil fuels for money managers are the new tobacco. Money managers, and not just the young ones, are selling these stocks regardless of their prospects as they get knocked down the self-fulfilling index funds that own them need to right-size their position be getting more selling. What's incredible about this fossil fuel divestment, get used to that word, is that we're just at the cusp of it. So far, it's mostly smaller funds, but they're already having a big impact on the stock. It is tough for an oil company to change its stripes. How the heck does Exxon go carbon neutral? Now, we often hear that these declines are in the oils are buying opportunities. From now on, I disagree. I think the oil companies may be on the wrong side of history here, especially if we're approaching some kind of reckoning on climate change. How do I know? Well, just look at Tesla. Those electric cars are the vehicles of the future. The combustion engine... It's of the past. 
which means Exxon's never going to be one of the six largest companies on earth as it was for so long, ever again. Mad Money's back at you. It is time. Time for the lightning round. Draft goes round. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the lightning round. Okay, so let's start with Dave in New Jersey. Dave. Oh yeah, Jimmy Chill. All right, partner. Yeah, I am Jimmy Chill. What's going on? Hey, thanks for all the help you give us on your club. I know the or the uh, show here. I know your crew is working hard and. Yeah. We appreciate your wisdom through the Action Alerts Club. Ah, oh, you're a good man. We're going to have a big conference call coming up. How can I help? Say, I recently raised some cash with uh, uh, last month and um, about half of my stake in um, my software spec I, 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 I gave away. All right. So um, they, they recently introduced more artificial intelligence in their um, okay, what, what's software the in December. And a plan. Oh, and it's Frank Calderoni. I think he's doing a great job. Now, that stock has not gone down at all, but I do think that's the kind of thing you can scale into because it is a good company. Tom in Ohio. Tom. Hey, Jim. How are you? Thanks for taking the call. Oh, actually, long day today. What's up? Hey, this company repairs beaches, sand dunes, and wetlands damaged by storms. They get a lot of work on the Jersey Shore. They deepen rivers and access points and ports to handle the giant freighters in the new Panama Canal. And it's the largest publicly traded dredging company in the U.S. What do you think of Great Lakes Dredging Dock? I like that little boy. I think that's a good company, and I think it's just going to get more and more use. We have so much that we need to dredge in the oil world. Chris in New Jersey. Chris. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Thanks for doing an amazing job and for taking uh, my call. Hey, I got a great staff. Nice. Make me feel good. What's up? My stock will have the earnings next week, and with the virus, virus scare, um, do you think the company will benefit from people staying home and buying and exercising on Peloton bike and a treadmill? What's the company? Peloton? Peloton, uh, Peloton I yeah. think, should have a good quarter. They're right out of the chute. The company's done very well. I think they're going to have a very good story to tell. Kevin in Minnesota. Kevin. Hey, Jimmy Chill, give me some feedback on eBay. Nah, they, they had a non-chill quarter, frankly. I mean, I'm still really disappointed with them. Uh, there's that deal. Just keep moving. Look away from that one. Let's take one more. Let's go to Al in Georgia. Al. Focus growth on Lunkin Coffee LK. Okay, this one's coming down. It's China. It should never have been as high as it is. Uh, this Chinese coffee company. I think you take a pass. I don't want you near it. How about Marcus in Maryland? Marcus. Hey, Jimmy Chill, sending you a big Baltimore booyah. Well, man, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm pulling for next year for the Ravens. I thought they were going to go all the way. They didn't. How can I help? Oh, so uh, so quick bio. I was a student entrepreneur years ago at Southern University. I started a fashion company with my friend Ryan Rossi. Excellent. At that point, we knew the value of becoming financially independent. So we love the knowledge and wisdom you give us everyday investors, you. young and old. Thank you. No problem. So getting into business, I'm looking to get into some water stocks, and my ticker is AWK. That is such a good company. Uh, okay, we're talking about American water. Uh, it's been a consistent. It's been a winner. It's just the kind of stock that you need to be buying into weakness that we're getting from the coronavirus. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. 
of my New Year's resolutions this year is to do a better job of answering your questions that I tell you I need to do more homework on. I want to be able to circle back to these stocks while it's still relevant to the people who ask about them. Jimmy Schill does his homework in 2020. Well, I always do it. I just didn't do it one time. And with that in mind, a week ago, Richard in New Jersey called in to ask about Insego. And the symbol there is INSG for you, home gamers. And I told him I need to do, yeah, I could do some work for a considered opinion because it is a small cap stock. Now, it is a telco infrastructure business and also an Internet of Things play with a single-digit stock that sold off hard over the past 10 days. But when Richard brought it up, the darn thing had roughly doubled over the course of the previous two months for a simple reason. Insego is a 5G play, and 5G wireless networks are one of the biggest stories of 2020, and I embrace the theme. We've actually gotten a bunch of questions about this one because the stock came out of nowhere and rocketed higher after years of irrelevance. People want to know if this run was the real thing or if it's a flash in the pan that's already dissipating. So let me give you some background on the business, and then I'll tell you where I stand on this one. And Seagull emerged from the ashes of a failed telco hardware company previously known as Novatel Wireless. And that made mobile hotspots and other connectivity gear sexy at one point. In 2016, after years upon years of losses, though, Novatel decided to sell off its money-losing primary business and totally reinvent itself as an Internet of Things-focused software and services company. And that's when they changed their name to Insego. But the business was still a mess. And the stock plummeted to less than a dollar at their lows in the summer of 2017. After the buyer they found for their mobile hotspot division pulled out. At that point... Well, you had some major upheaval with the company's largest shareholder, Phil Falcone. Now, you may remember that name. It's a hedge fund manager with some think is a checkered past, becoming chairman. He effectively took over and brought in a telco veteran, a fellow by the name of Dan Mondor, to run the business as CEO. Since then, things started turning around. And Seagull established a partnership with Verizon, big dog, and Qualcomm, maybe the best semi-5G play, to work on certain types of 5G technology. And that's been a big deal. They started showing some real progress, getting their costs under control. In 2018, they were able to do a meaningful capital raise, which brought them a bit of breathing room to handle their debt-laden balance sheet. Falcone took a step back and passed the chairman job on to Mondor. Interesting. And by the summer of 2018, people on Wall Street were starting to talk about this thing as a legitimate way to speculate on 5G. It's no Qualcomm. And that's when the stock began working its way back from less than $2 in July to more than $4 by the end of the year. Fast forward to 2019, and Insego spent the first 10 months of the year basically marking time as it digested that huge move. But from mid-November to mid-January, the darn thing caught fire, climbing to $9.75 just last Tuesday. It was an incredible move at least until the market started rolling over and the stock experienced a sharp correction, one that's taken it back down to six bucks and change as of today. So six bucks and change. Is this a buying opportunity, a red hot 5G play? Or is it a sign that Insego is a lot more risky than the bulls thought? Remember, I'm not I'm exempting the whole virus concept here. We're talking about the fundies. Okay, the Insego of today still has some hardware exposure, including 5G mobile hotspots. But their main business is cloud-based software that powers mission-critical applications for their clients. So they do asset tracking, fleet management, mobile broadband services, and what's known as industrial Internet of Things failover management, which involves organizing backup servers to prevent unscheduled downtime. Now, you know I like this 5G buildup very much, and Insego really is a 5G play. The stock Definitely deserved a rally, especially since the fundamentals here have improved dramatically. I wouldn't necessarily call the numbers good, but they're a lot better than they used to be. And Seagull's revenue growth has accelerated from 4% at the beginning of last year to 24% in the most recent quarter. That's an excellent trend. 
They're even flirting with profitability as their 5G business keeps growing. When Encigo last reported in November, they talked about how they're now working on a number of trials with top-tier carriers worldwide, and they forecast a 20 to 25% revenue growth for 2020. And that's been a- a- enough to attract some real interest. And then we got two major positives. In December, Encigo won a mobile hotspot contract with uh, Vodafone Qatar. Yes, the QATA archive. That is 1.7 million subscribers. That may not sound like much, but this is a tiny company. And the deal illustrates that they can win new customers. Vodafone's a real company. Good customer. Even better, a few weeks ago, Encigo had a good showing at CES. And formerly, that's known as the uh, Consumer Electronics Show out in Vegas, with several analysts noting that the company seemed poised to win some big 5G contracts with the major carriers this year. However, the secret sauce powering this move had everything to do with the mechanics of money management. As Encigo's market capitalization has grown, it's worth roughly $540 million right now, the company picked up more and more institutional support, self-fulfilling. A lot of money managers won't buy stocks to trade below five. Others won't buy stocks with sub-500 million market capitalizations. It's not just hedge funds. At the end of 2018, Encigo would have been too small for me to even mention on air because of our rules. When the stock caught fire after the positive showing in CES, many of these guys decided to ring the register for good reason. While Encigo has gotten better, it still has real problems. Balance sheet's still ugly. Company uh, had to spend heavily in recent quarters in order to fund these dozens of trials with major carriers. So now it's got negative cash flow. Negative free cash flow. I tend not to recommend stocks with negative free cash flow on the show. Speaking of those trials, while they got more than 50 of them going, you have to remember that a trial is not a contract. It's more like a pitch. They all go well, and CEO can make a fortune. But if they don't go well, and CEO gets nothing. Until something changes, the company's highly dependent on its largest customer, Verizon Wireless, albeit a good customer. And Seagull has a lot of opportunities. But we don't know whether they'll make these opportunities work. As much as I love 5G, I think you need to be a little circumspect here because not every 5G play is going to be a winner. Now, look, for instance, we've seen Nokia and Ericsson. You ask me about them all the time, single-digit stocks. They didn't have the best technology, so they've been steamrolled by China's Huawei. When Insego was at $9 and change, I think the upside was mostly baked in. Now that it's tumbled down to less than 7 bucks in just two weeks... I find this one intriguing. Stock's selling for 22 times next year's earnings estimates. However, that decline makes me a little nervous. It says easy come, easy go, but we do have a horrible market. Now, bottom line, I see why Encigo is enticing for speculation. I'll even bless it. But this one's too risky for me, at least until they can turn some of those big trials into actual partnerships. If you want 5G exposure here, Richard, there are better ways to get it. But I totally understand the desire to speculate on this amazing secular trend. Stick with Kramer. Let's be cautious before we're opportunistic. It's okay. Cautious all week. It's been right. Like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you Monday. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.